Hey everyone, this is Lyle. Just before I get this episode started, I kind of want to tell you guys where I've been the last couple of months. I am no longer a father of two, I am now a father of three. So because of that, it's kind of taken up a lot of my time. Um, I do have a lot of episodes that I've scripted out and they're ready to go, just haven't had any time to record them. But um, I'm going to get them out as soon as I can. Sorry if you've been waiting for it. But uh, for now, I kind of wanted to do this episode for you, so here we go. You're listening to Amazing Advertising, the podcast dedicated to advertising mascots, slogans, and jingles. My name is Lyle Perez, and I'm going to help bring back memories from your childhood. I was watching TV the other day, and something dawned on me. It's October. Where are all the Halloween commercials? I remember when I was a kid that TV was filled with them. Now it seems to be very rare. That gave me the idea to search the web and find a lot of Halloween commercials featuring some of the advertising mascots I've talked about, plus some of the ones that I'm still kind of working on. Looking through all of these commercials really brought back memories. The first one I'm going to play for you I remember watching all the time as a kid. It's from the lovable Captain Crunch. It was aiming to promote their new peanut butter crunch cereal. At the time, I thought it was really disgusting. Now that I've actually tried it, it's pretty good. Check out the commercial. isn't it? One taste of my peanut butter crunch and you'll always come back for more. It's the only peanut butter cereal and it's part of a balanced breakfast. It's to die for. (laughs) It's the crunch that screams peanut butter. It really is to die for. Next, we're going to go all the way back to our first episode, the one featuring the Empire Carpet Man. Since this episode aired, I've actually been in touch with the people at Empire Today they really enjoyed the episode. Their Twitter feed is always full of posts about the Empire Carpet Man. That is a company that truly loved their mascot. Check out their Halloween commercial featuring the Empire Carpet Man. They were promoting their big monster sale. If your home is haunted by old carpeting, don't be afraid. Empire is having a monster carpet sale with savings to die for. Save 50% off all the latest styles and colors. We'll bring samples to your home and install next day with no payments till 2003. Save 50% on Empire's monster carpet sale. It's a sale you can sink your teeth into. When I was doing research of Lynn Holdren, I read that the Halloween commercial I just played was one of his favorites. 
Next, we're going to jump into a mascot that I haven't done yet, but I'm working on it. It's from Pizza Hut, and their mascot, the Pizza Head. Here's another commercial I remember watching as a kid. I refound it a few years ago, and man, it brought back a lot of memories. Enjoy. Now it's time for the Pizza Head Show. Hey everybody, I'm done trick-or-treating, and now I'm going to go for a stuffed crust pizza at Pizza Hut. Yay! Not yet, Pizza Head. There's one more place to go. Uh, I don't think anyone's home. Sure there is. Oh, trick-or-treat. Mm, interesting hieroglyphics on this game. Ah! Quick, Pizza Head, let's go upstairs. Hey, hey, who is here anyway? It's your host, Count Steve. The count will be happy to give you a lift. See you next time. This commercial still makes me laugh. That hand was always making Pizza Head do things it didn't want to do. Next, I'm going to play a collection of a few commercials I really like. These don't have specific mascots, but they're still a lot of fun. October 30th at 8 p.m., 3D TV is back and scarier than ever. It's a three-hour 3D haunted Halloween spooktacular. Your eyes will pop, your heart will pound when monsters, gigantic gorillas, and sexy girls in 3D bikinis bust into your living room. Special 3D glasses are on sale now at your nearby 7-Eleven store. Everybody have fun. Friday, October 30th at 8 p.m. on 39 WDZL for a 3D haunted Halloween spooktacular. Even after lying around for three years, today's Duracell batteries still have up to 90% of their life. Today's Duracell, date-coded for three-year storage. Everybody's heading for Woolworth and Woolco to get set for Halloween. There's costumes of TV favorites like Wonder Woman and the Hulk. There's popular characters from Star Wars, and there's superheroes like Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, and many more at bare-bones prices, $2.38 to $4.17. And there's spook sticks, face pops, hollowitches, wrapped candy of every kind, all at the favorite Halloween haunts, Woolworth and Woolco. Halloween doesn't have to be spooky. Not with Easter Seal Safe Halloween Coupons, the safe treat that gives treatment. Safe Halloween Coupons are good for treats at stores and restaurants. Give them to trick-or-treaters or treat yourself. Give Easter Seal Safe Halloween Coupons because Halloween should be warm and friendly. Coupon books available at area Burger Kings, NCNB Banks, and AMC Theaters. If you thought the voice in the last commercial sounded familiar, then you're probably right. It featured the man himself, Vincent Price. He was used in a lot of Halloween commercials. Here's a few of them. Oh, I do enjoy an evening with a little light entertainment. But when your video heads get dirty, you lose your picture. Not a pretty sight. Happily, this new Polaroid video cassette will help you. 
actually cleans your heads as it plays. So dirty heads needn't haunt you. New Polaroid video cassettes. Get the picture? It's alive. It's alive. Ugly, creepy mildew. Spray on Tylex Instant Mildew Stain Remover and Mildew Stains Vanish with no scrubbing. Try Tylex. Get your bath laboratory clean. Scrubbing mildew stains is a monstrous job, so instead, spray on Tylex. With Tylex Instant Mildew Stain Remover, Mildew Stains Vanish with no scrubbing. Tylex. It makes a monstrous job easy. <laughs> Now let's get back to some of the advertising mascots we've already covered. Here are some commercials from Dunkin' Donuts featuring their mascot, Fred the Baker. They're a lot of fun. You know, I recently learned that they're opening a Dunkin' Donuts a couple miles away from my office. I have to go someday and try the coffee again. Who knows? I might be surprised this time. Here are the commercials. As Halloween approaches, you have to prepare yourself for what might happen. More orange sprinkles. It's a special time of year, and Dunkin' Donuts is dressing up their donuts for the occasion. And here's the werewolf. So come to Dunkin' Donuts and get into the spirit of Halloween. <gasps> We'd like some Halloween donuts, please. Oh, of course. <laughs> created a monster. Introducing a haunting collection of minis for Halloween. They're alive! Alive! <laughs> minis are a fraction the size of our regular donuts, but they have the power to attract very interesting guests to your Halloween parties. That last one had Tattoo from Fantasy Island in it. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode. I'd like to thank everyone who has been listening to my show. I've been getting a lot of positive feedback, and it's really made doing this show even better. I'll be back next week with part two of these Halloween commercials, so make sure you stop by. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash amazingadvertisingpodcast. Don't forget to give us a like. You could also find us on Twitter at AdMascots. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, or anything, go ahead and send me an email at advertisingmascots at gmail.com. I want to do something different to close off this show. I'm a huge old-time radio fan, and believe it or not, Vincent Price had his own show. It was called The Price of Fear. My favorite episode is called Speciality of the House. I'm going to include it at the end of the show. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Price of fear.
Brought to you by Vincent Price. Glancing through my morning paper over breakfast today, I noticed that an enterprising gentleman in the catering business has invented a musical hot dog called, would you believe, a hamburger. <laughs> Isn't it amazing the things some people will eat? Food, by the way, is something of a hobby of mine, and I never cease to wonder at the incredible results that can be achieved by a good chef with a few basic ingredients. A little meat, a few vegetables, a glass of wine, sprig of parsley, and voila. You know, there are few more interesting experiences than being allowed into the kitchen of a really first-class restaurant to watch a master chef at work. And, of course, this uh, privilege is rarely extended to anyone, which reminds me of an experience I had a few years back. And to give it the right flavor, let's call it speciality of the house. I was staying in New York at the time, and a friend of mine, Harry Laffler, knowing that I was interested in good food, invited me to dine with him one evening at his favorite restaurant. Harry was by way of being an international advertising man, and knowing the size of his expense account, I had imagined that I was in for an evening at one of New York's plushier night spots. Imagine my surprise, therefore, when I found myself being ushered towards a, a shabby brownstone building in an almost deserted downtown back street. Well, here we are. This is Bierro's. What do you think of it? Well, Harry, it's... I must say, it's not quite what I expected. It, it is rather dismal, isn't it? And uh, have you know that Spiro's is the restaurant without pretensions? It is the one place in these ghastly neurotic times that has refused to compromise. When you enter Spiro's, you leave the insanity of this hour, of this day, of this year, and you find yourself for a brief span restored in spirit. You make it sound more like a, like a cathedral than a restaurant. I wonder... I wonder if I've done the right thing in bringing you here. Oh, come on now, Harry. I, I was only joking. You see, you are the one person I know with a knowledge of good food. Thank you. Knowing about Spiro's and not having an appreciative friend to share it with is like having a unique work of art locked in a room where no one else can see it. Anyway, let's not stand here talking. Let's go in. Good evening, sir. Mr. Laffler and a guest. Ah, yes, sir. Uh, please come this way, gentlemen. Uh -huh. The waiter led us through a mirrored foyer into a small dining room. It was no size at all, but the half-dozen or so guttering gas jets which provided the only illumination threw such a deceptive light that the walls flickered and faded into uncertain distance. There were no more than eight or ten tables in the room, and all but one were occupied. The few waiters serving moved amongst them with quiet efficiency. It really was very pleasant. And as soon as we were seated at the vacant table, I said as much to Harry. There. I knew you'd like it. But wait till you taste the food. By the way, did you notice that there are no women present? Yes, I, I did. Isn't that rather odd? Spiro doesn't encourage them. Oh. And I can tell you his method of getting rid of them is very effective. Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, do you wish to be served now? Uh, tell me, is the special being served tonight, waiter? Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. There is no special this evening. But it's been a month already. 
And I had hoped that my friend here... I'm sorry, sir, but you do understand the difficulties. Sir. Oh, well, what the hell. Uh, but I was hoping, Vincent, to introduce you to the greatest treat that Spiro offers. Oh, never mind. I'm quite sure that whatever we decide upon will be delicious. Uh, shall I serve at once, sir? Uh, yes, please. Very good, sir. Harry, have you ordered in advance? <laughs> no. No, I should have explained. Spiro offers no choice whatsoever. But suppose we don't like what we're given. Oh, don't worry. No matter how exacting your taste, you will relish every mouthful. Uh, just think a moment about the advantages of such a system. For instance, instead of a hurly-burly of sweating cooks trying to prepare a hundred different dishes... Here we have a chef who stands serenely alone, bringing all his culinary arts to bear on one task. Oh, then you, you've seen Spiro's kitchen. Tell me, what's it like? Unfortunately, I can't. I've never seen it. Oh. Believe me, I've tried. In fact, I admit that my desire to see the inside of this particular kitchen has become almost an obsession with me. Well, have you ever mentioned this to Spiro? At least a dozen times. But he just shrugs his massive shoulders and smiles. Still, I'd never given up hope. At this point, the waiter reappeared, bearing two soup bowls and a small tureen, from which he slowly ladled a measure of clear, thin soup. I must confess that I tasted this soup with some curiosity. It was delicately flavoured, bland to the verge of tastelessness. Automatically, I reached for the salt. Well, what do you think of the soup? Mm. Excellent. If you'll pardon me for saying so, you don't. Why? You do not find it excellent. <laughs> you find it flat and badly in need of salt. But how did uh, you... How do I know? Yes. Because that was my reaction when I first dined here. But I'm confident that you will make the same discovery as I did. By the time you've finished your soup, your desire for salt will be non-existent. Well, Harry proved to be quite right. And before I had finished the soup, I was relishing every mouthful of it. It was really wonderful. Harry smiled at me across the table. Well, do you agree with me now? Mm. Wasn't I right? Yes, you certainly were. You will find that the absence of condiments is only one of several noteworthy characteristics which marks bureaus. I may as well prepare you for the rest. For example, no alcoholic beverages of any sort are served here. Oh, really, Harry? Also, there is a ban on the use of tobacco in any form. Oh, but good Lord, is this a restaurant or a temperance hotel? You don't understand. By alternating stimulant and narcotic, you seesaw the delicate balance of your taste so violently that it loses its most precious quality, the appreciation of fine food. Not another word was spoken until we had both finished our main course. Nor was there any need for words in the presence of such food. It was delicious. And it was only with a great effort that I prevented myself from wolfing the lot at one go and establishing myself as a grade-A glutton on my very first visit to this amazing restaurant. When we had both finished eating, Harry and I smiled at each other contentedly. We were both aware that we had enjoyed an exceptional culinary experience. Harry, if I had any doubts about Spiro's, I apologize unreservedly. In all your praise of the place, there is not a single word of exaggeration. Ah, uh, that is only part of the story. You heard me mention the special, which mm. unfortunately was not on tonight's menu. Well... 
What we've just eaten is as nothing when compared to the absolute delights of that special. Oh, good Lord, what, what is it? I mean, nightingale's tongues, fillet of unicorn? Neither. It is lamb. Lamb? <laughs> oh, come on, you've got to be joking. If I were to give you in my own unstinted words my opinion of this dish, you would think me insane. <laughs> that is how deeply the mere thought of it affects me. It is a select portion of the rarest sheep in existence. Lamb Armistan. Armistan. A remote and almost unknown place on the border which separates Russia and Afghanistan. From chance remarks dropped by Sbiro, I gather that it's hardly more than a plateau which grazes the pitiful remnants of a flock of superb sheep. Sbiro, by some means or other, has obtained exclusive rights to this flock and is therefore the only restaurateur in the world ever to have lamb armistan on his menu. I can tell you, the appearance of this dish is a very rare occurrence indeed, and nobody ever knows the exact date on which it will be served. Oh, but surely Spiro could provide some advanced knowledge of this event. Well, huh? The only objection to that is simply stated. Should advanced information slip out, then the professional gluttons in which this city abounds, would get the opportunity to taste this dish and sooner or later drive out the regular patrons. You don't mean to say that these few people present are the only ones in the entire city who know of the existence of Spiros? In the entire world. Oh, that's incredible. It's kept a secret by every single patron. A solemn obligation. By accepting my invitation this evening, you automatically assume that obligation. I hope you can be trusted with it. Well, if that's the way you want it, Harry, of course I can. It may sound strange to you indeed. It may board on eccentricity. But I'm a solitary man. And I feel to my depths that this restaurant is both family and friend to me. I must confess that until that moment, I, I had never really thought much about Harry's private life. To me, he was a pleasant friend and dining companion... And his private affairs had never really concerned me. Now hearing him refer to Spiros in this manner, I almost came to feel sorry for him. By the end of two weeks, Harry's invitations for me to join him at Spiros had become something of a, of a ritual. Now, I am by nature one of those people with a lean and hungry look but I began to notice that I was rapidly putting on weight. I was, to tell the truth, becoming plump. I began to wonder whether Harry, by no means a lightweight, had also been lean before he started to dine at Spiro's. Thinking the whole thing over, I decided that I would not refuse to eat at the restaurant until I had both tasted the lamb Armistan and also been introduced to the amazing Mr. Spiro. And then one night, a few weeks later, I achieved both these ambitions, and both, I may say, exceeded my expectations. Ah, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Tonight is the special, sir. What? Well, <sighs> this is it. <laughs> the culinary triumph of all times. And faced bad, you are embarrassed by the very emotion it distills. Yes, I must confess that my heart is certainly beating faster than usual. Tell me, Harry, the, the other diners, do they feel the same way? Well, of course they do. Look around you and judge for yourself. Yes, you're right. 
Anyway, there's comfort in numbers. It's nice to know that we all have the same basic animal feelings and can anticipate, or, or should I say, slobber over our meat. <laughs> oh, look, one of our number appears to be in for disappointment. Hmm? Over there, at the end table, the empty seat. Oh, yes, the stout ball man. Hmm. He's not here tonight. I do believe it's the first dinner he's missed here in weeks. Rain or shine, crisis or calamity, I don't think he's missed an evening at Spiro's in ten years. Imagine his disappointment when he finds that he's missed the speciality of the house. <clears throat> oh. Mr. Laffler and friend, I am so pleased, so very, very pleased. Ah, oh, Mrs. Spiro. Uh, tonight, gentlemen, the Lamb Army's turn will be an unqualified success. I myself have been stewing in the miserable kitchen all day, prodding the foolish chef to do everything just so. The just so is the important part, eh? Uh, but I see your friend does not know me. An introduction, perhaps. The words ran in a smooth, fluid eddy. They rippled, they purred, and I found myself hypnotized and could do no more than stare as Harry performed the introductions. Spiro's mouth, the mouth that uncoiled this sinuous monologue was alarmingly wide with thin, mobile lips that curled and twisted with every syllable. He had a wide nose and wide-set eyes. It was an amazing face, and somehow I had the feeling that I had seen it before. It was somehow familiar. I am so very pleased to meet you, Mr. Price. So very, very pleased. Oh, thank you. Uh, how do you do, Mr. Spiro? You uh, like my little establishment, eh? Oh, yes. You have a great treat in store for you today, I assure you. My friend is by way of being a great admirer of yours, Spiro. True. Very great compliment. You compliment me with your presence, and I return the compliment with my food, eh? <laughs> but I assure you, the Lamb Armistan is far superior to anything of your past experience. All the trouble obtaining it, all the difficulty of preparation is truly merited. You know, I've wondered why, with all these difficulties you mentioned, why you even bothered to present lamb, Armistan. Surely your other dishes are excellent enough to uphold your reputation. Uh, perhaps it is a matter of psychology. Someone discovers a wonder and must share it with the others, eh? Mm. Or perhaps it is just a matter of good business. Well, then, in the light of all this, and considering all the conventions you impose on your customers, why don't you turn it into a private club? <laughs> so perspicacious. Ah, I will tell you. Because there is more privacy in a public eating place than in the most exclusive club in existence. Here, no one inquires into your affairs. No one desires to know the intimacies of your life. We are not curious about our guests. We welcome you when you are here... We have no regrets when you go. That is the answer, eh? Yes, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I had no intention of prying. No, 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 you are not prying. On the contrary, I invite questions. Uh, don't let Spiro intimidate you. I've known him for years, and I assure you his bark is far worse than his bite. But before you know it, he'll be showing you all the privileges of the house, except inviting you into his precious kitchen, of course. <laughs> ah, for that, you may have to wait a little while, I'm afraid. What did I tell you? Come on, Asmira. The truth. Has anyone except staff ever stepped into that kitchen of yours? You see on the wall over there the portrait of one to whom I did that honor. Hmm? A dear friend and a patron of long standing. Where? 
Oh, yes, there. Oh. Who is it? Oh, it's, it's Andrew Herring, the, the writer. You know the one, Harry. He used to write those marvelously cynical articles for the New American. And then he took himself off some to Mexico, I think it was, and, and disappeared. Of course. Here I've been sitting, staring at that picture for years without recognizing it. It must have been a blow for you when your old friend disappeared, Spira. It was, I assure you, gentlemen. But I like to think of it this way. He was probably greater in his death than in his life, eh? Hmm? Oh, a most tragic man. He often told me that his only happy hours were spent here at this table. Pathetic, is it not? And to think the only favor I could ever show him was to let him witness the mysteries of my humble kitchen. <laughs> you seem very certain of his death. I, after all, as I remember, no evidence has ever turned up to support it. None at all. Remarkable, eh? Ah, but no more talk, please, gentlemen. For here comes the speciality of the house. Lamb Armistan. Spiro served the meal himself, taking great care not to lose a single drop of gravy as he sliced the joint, underdone to perfection. He filled the two plates with the chunks of dripping meat. Ah, gentlemen, bon appétit. With great deliberation, I took a mouthful of the lamb armistan. It was magnificent. Good, eh? Mm. Better than you imagined? It is as impossible for the uninitiated to imagine the delights of Lan Amistan as... Uh, as for a mortal man to look into his own soul? Perhaps. Perhaps you have just had a glimpse into your own soul, eh? <laughs> yes, perhaps. And a gratifying picture it made, too. All fang and claw. Well, I must be going. But sometimes, my friend, when you have nothing better to do, sit perhaps for a little while in a dark room and think of this world and what it is and what it is going to be. Then you must turn your thoughts to the significance of the lamb in religion. It will be so interesting. And now, gentlemen, I have interrupted your meal for too long. Au revoir, gentlemen. Au revoir. Au revoir. He's hmm. in... Interesting man, Spear, a very interesting man. You know, Harry, he, he reminds me of someone I... I just can't think who... You, you don't think I offended him in any way, do you? Offended him? No. Goodness, no. He loves that sort of talk. Lamb Amistan is a, a ritual with him. Get him started and he'll just go on forever. It was a month later that it finally came to me exactly who it was that Spiro reminded me of, and when it did, I, I laughed out loud. <laughs> of course, Spiro reminded me of the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland. You remember, the cat only grinned when it saw Alice. It looked very good-natured, she thought. Still, it had very long claws and a great many teeth, so she felt that it ought to be treated with respect. <laughs> I, I mentioned this to Harry that night as we were walking along that dismal street that led to Spiro's. Uh, you may be right, but I'm not a fit judge. Anyway, it's a long time since I read Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> a very long time. Help! What? Help! Look, look there. Outside Spiro's. Okay. Isn't that one of the waiters? Okay. Yes. Looks as though he's in trouble. He's being attacked. Come on. Yes. Help! God damn it. Pickpocket. Push me, will you? 
Oh, looking for a goddamn fighter? Well, you, oh. you got one, mister. Let me go. Let me go. Not yet, you lousy little creep. Well, what's going on here? Help me, sir. This man, he, he drunk. He tried to stab oh, me. Oh, drunk, am I? Oh, well, we'll... we'll hey, you... Hey, grab him, Harry. Quick, look out for that knife. Let, 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 let go of him. Do you hear? Let go. Hey, what, what, what the hell's happening here? I'll, I'll cut your goddamn throat, mister. No, you, you don't. Boy, is he, is he all right, do you think? That was some punch, Harry. Well, he, he, I think he's stunned. He banged his head as he fell. Yeah, well, in any case, it's a job for the police. No. No, sir. What? No police. Mr. Spiro does not like police. Oh, now, wait. I beg you. No police. Uh, anyway, it's coming around. Oh, he'll be all right. But what started all this anyway? I, I, I push against him accidentally, and he accused me of robbing him. He's, he's drunk, sir. Uh, you can say that again. Well, now, you go inside and get cleaned up. We'll see to him. Thank you, sir. To you, I owe my life. If there is anything I can do to repay you. Uh, you just cut along, and if Mrs. Vera has any questions, you tell him to see me. Yes, sir. You saved my life. Thank you, sir. And with that, the waiter disappeared into the restaurant. Well, after all the excitement and kerfuffle of that incident, I must confess that I found I had quite an appetite. And as soon as we were comfortably seated in the restaurant, Harry and I debated with some trepidation as to whether or not we could expect the special lamb armistan that evening. Soon our regular waiter appeared and carefully set two tumblers on the table. We almost simultaneously inquired after the special. Ah, uh, no, sir. I'm, I'm sorry, sir. No special tonight. Oh, hell, just my luck. And I'll probably miss out next time, too. Why, Harry? You going away? Yes, damn it. I'm off to South America for a month or two in order to mount a new campaign for some very rich clients. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. When do you leave? Tonight. I managed to wangle some reservations. This was intended to be in the nature of a farewell celebration. Oh, and no special. <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> Just my luck. Uh, well, I I'm going to miss you, Harry. I have enjoyed our evenings together, and these little dinners of ours have well, they've come to mean a great deal to me. Uh, shall I serve now, sir? Uh, of course. I didn't realize you were waiting. Shortly afterwards, the waiter served us, and we turned our attention to our dinner. Harry finished his quickly and continued to bemoan his fate and to regret loudly the thought of missing lamb Armistan during his trip. Then, just as I finished my meal, a waiter leaned over to take Harry's plate. It wasn't our usual waiter, but the man who we had rescued from the drunken sailor. I asked him how he was feeling, but to my surprise, he completely ignored me, and with the air of a man under great strain, he whispered to Harry, My life, I owe it to you. I can't repay you. Well, you have repaid me with your thanks. Please, let's hear no more about it. But I will help you, sir, even if you don't want me to. Do not go into the kitchen tonight. Huh? My life for yours, sir. Tonight or any night. Do not go into Spiro's kitchen. Why shouldn't I go into the kitchen? <laughs> Don't be absurd. What's going on here? Is everything all right, gentlemen? Ah, good evening, Spiro. Uh, this man is a little unnerved, I think. Ah, yes. An unfortunate experience. He's saying something about my not visiting your kitchen. What's it all about? Do you know what he means? But of course. He was giving you good advice. 
It so happens that my too emotional chef heard some rumor that I might have a guest in the kitchen tonight. He flew into a fearful rage and even threatened to give his notice on the spot. However, have no fear. I have succeeded in showing him what a signal honor it is to have a true connoisseur observe him at his work firsthand. That is all. No, Sancho, you are at the wrong table. See that it does not happen again. The waiter slunk away without daring to raise his eyes, and Spiro drew up a chair to the table. He seated himself and drew his hand lightly over his hair. My invitation for you to visit my humble kitchen, I, I had hoped, Mr. Laffler, to be a surprise, but now the surprise is gone and all that is left is the invitation. Are you serious? Do you mean that at last we really are to witness the preparation of food in your kitchen tonight? Uh, no, Mr. Laffler, not both. I am faced with a dilemma of great proportions, gentlemen. You, Mr. Laffler, have been my guest for ten years, but... Our friend here. Oh, Mr. Spiro, I, I, I really understand perfectly. I, I mean, this invitation is solely to Harry here, and naturally my presence is embarrassing. Oh. Well, look, no, wait a minute. As it happens, I, I do have another engagement for later, and I must be on my way anyhow. So, you see, there's no dilemma at all, really. Absolutely not. That wouldn't be fair at oh, all. No. Surely, Spiro, you can make an exception on this one occasion. I'm very sorry, Spiro. Harry... I am not going to sit here and spoil your great adventure. Believe me. And, and then just think of that ferocious chef. <laughs> I'm sure he's just dying to get his cleaver into you. <laughs> <laughs> so humorous. So I'll just say goodbye now and leave you to Spiro. I'm sure he'll take pains to give you a good show. Well, that's good, you, Vincent. Thanks. I hope you continue to dine here while I'm away. Oh, and have a, have a good trip, Harry. Thank you. Bye now. I will expect you, Mr. Price. Au revoir. Au revoir. And so I left them to it. The smiling Spiro and Harry Laffler, about to realize his greatest ambition. On the way out, I stopped in the foyer to collect my coat, and as I was straightening my tie, I caught a glimpse in the mirror of Harry and Spiro already at the kitchen door. Spiro was holding it open, invitingly wide with one hand, while the other hand rested lightly on Harry's plump, meaty shoulder, squeezing it ever so gently, almost lovingly, rather in the way a housewife squeezes a prime fat turkey before she puts it into the oven. I've never seen or heard of Harry Laffler again. Shortly afterwards, I left New York in order to do some filming in England. I've not been back since, and therefore I have never had the opportunity of dining again at Spiro's, nor of renewing my acquaintance with its mysterious owner. In the intervening years, however, my interest in food and its preparation has increased, and I, I can now create and experiment with recipes of my own. <laughs> but I must confess that even in my wildest flights of culinary fancy, I, I have never yet dared to attempt lamb amistad.
That was Vincent Price bringing you The Price of Fear. Co-starring in The Speciality of the House was Hugh Burton with Francis DeWolf, Vernon Joyner and William Slay. The Speciality of the House was first recounted by Stanley Ellen, dramatised by Barry Campbell and produced by John Dyers. <laughs>